trapped behind enemy lines. Carrying secret information vital to the Republic's war effort, Jedi Master Evan Peel and Captain Tarkin were taken prisoner by the Separatists. An elite strike team led by Obi-Wan Kenobi and Anakin Skywalker landed on the planet Lola Seu and infiltrated the prison. The team rescued Master Peel and Tarkin, but they were pursued by the prison's evil commandant, Ose Sobek. During the escape, their ship was destroyed. Now we find them on the run, desperate to escape the trap that is the Citadel. Once again, Bucketheads, Mavar Tigar. Welcome to the 126th Republic Rescuing episode of MandoVision, Nargaitam, and thank you so much for checking out this small, independent Star Wars podcast. Remember, the best way to find us is, of course, social media. You can find us at Mando, excuse me, at Mando underscore Vision on Twitter and Instagram. Please email the show, MandoVisionTom at gmail.com. Make sure you're liking, subscribing, and sharing the show with all the other Mandalorians in your covert. We truly, truly appreciate it. How the heck is everyone doing? We're just, we're just, we're just so close to the end of season three for Star Wars: The Clone Wars. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's palpable. It's Palpatine. We're so close. We're right there, and and yeah, we're just gonna plow ahead. <laughs> we're here. We're doing episode twenty of the third season, and. You know, we, we talked about it going when we were getting close to it. We knew it was coming. Uh, the, the, the back half of this season is just off of the charts with crazy, crazy action. And, and you know, they really do a nice job of, of ratcheting up that, that action sequences, the tension, the, the dark moments for the characters. Uh, and in this episode in particular, you know, because we're hanging out with Captain Tarkin. We're getting a taste of who he will become when we catch up with him again. In episode four, New Hope, and and we're seeing the the sort of the the, the the dawn of the relationship between he and Anakin Skywalker, the man who will be Darth Vader, uh, and and so there's a lot to really kind of unpack in, in some of these episodes. This episode in particular, less to tear apart uh, as far as, as as you know, trying to like provide analysis or anything like that. This is a really intense, action-heavy episode. There's only a few snippets of. of Kind of like insightful dialogue between the characters, but that insight is is directed towards one Captain Willif Tarkin, and uh, and, and, and and excuse me, and, and with Anakin's perspective on Tarkin, and 
the failings of the Jedi Order in the Clone Wars. Uh, so it, it, it's still interesting, even if it is still a small amount of new content to talk about as far as, uh, you know, kind of getting, getting, getting to contextualize the show. Uh, but again, action-packed episode. And, and, you know, we talked about it on the last Clone Wars episode. Uh, just harsh deaths of the clones uh, in, in, in these, these, these three episodes. You know, we, we had one get bisected in half last week. And uh, this, this one, uh, I, you know, <laughs> there's, there's, there's definitely some unpleasant clone deaths during the course of the series. Uh, but two unfortunate troopers uh, have, a, have a, a fairly horrific one in this episode as well. And uh, I think we'll talk about it at that time when we get to that chunk of the episode. Um, but yeah, oh boy, really ratcheting up the tension with, with, uh, with the death of clone troopers. You know, and obviously last week was a big death with, with Echo a character that we have uh, seen grow through the course of this of this show, uh, and and with this nonlinear storytelling, you know we've seen Echo rise up from the beginnings to his, his death as as an art trooper, and we get to see how he got there, and so uh, that was a death that has some resonance to it, even though we know as the big Star Wars fans that we are that Echo is ultimately not dead. So when that information comes to light down the road, uh, it, it's remember the impact that it has because. The, it, you know, it wasn't just random, right? Um, there was a plan in place, and, and it, it, it shakes the other clone troopers to, to find out that he's not only alive, but he's a prisoner of the Separatists, and they've been using him for information. Again, we're going to get to all that later, but that's, that's, that's down the road a ways. Uh, we should get into the show proper because, you know, that's what we do here on the podcast. Um, I, I want to make sure that we're all prepared we know what's coming, so let's, let's remind ourselves one more time. This is Season 3, Episode 20, Citadel Rescue. Original air date, March 11th, 2011. Our plot for this week, Masters Plo Koon and Sacy Teen head a desperate rescue mission to get the survivors of the Citadel infiltration mission and the information they can. That's a... Ooh, let me read that again. That sounded like jibber-jabber. <laughs> Masters Plo Koon and Sacy Teen head a desperate rescue operation to get the survivors of the Citadel infiltration mission and the information they carry. I think it did better on that one. Uh, this week's episode, uh, directed by Stuart Lee, who has directed so many of the fine, fine episodes of, of Star Wars The Clone Wars. The episode is written by Matt Mishnevitz. He closes out his, his uh, Citadel trilogy right here. Our principal cast for this week's episode, once again, James Arnold Taylor is Obi-Wan Kenobi, Ossie Sobek, and Plo Koon. Matt Lanter is Anakin Skywalker, Ashley Eckstein as Ahsoka Tana, and K2B4. Blair Bess is Evan Peel, D. Bradley Baker as the Clone Troopers, Stacey Tin, and Admiral Coburn. Stephen Stanton is Tarkin, excuse me, Stephen Stanton. Tom Kane is the narrator and Yoda. Matthew Wood is the battle droid. Corey Bird is Count Dooku. Terrence T.C. Carson, Mace Windu. And Angelique Perrin is Adigalia. That is our, that is our principal cast for this week's episode. That's pretty much everybody who's in the show. Not even principal. You know, it's just all of them. <laughs> Our Jedi fortune cookie this week is without honor, victory is hollow. Uh, now, let's talk about this now before we get into the episode because I, I do think we should address the Jedi fortune cookie because as I was watching this episode, I was sort of... It, it isn't until the very, very end of the episode that we sort of get what this fortune cookie is, is trying to, to t- trying to talk to us about. Um, and, we'll, and again, we'll, we'll let that play out 
at the end. But let's let's talk about what what shaped this change because uh, in the original script for this episode, it was supposed there was supposed to be a very different ending for Ossie Sobek than what happened in the final version of of the script and um, what we saw on the screen. I tried to find out why that was changed, and I haven't been able to find anything uh, substantial or anything that, you know, other than like, oh, they, you know, blah, blah, blah. Nothing, nothing definitive, nothing that I feel comfortable imparting to you all. uh, Because I'd like to, you know, when I say something, you know, you know, you know what my opinion is. I make it very clear when I'm giving you opinions or when I'm giving information and facts. And I like facts to be facts, you know, they got to have something to support them. So I don't have anything to support why the change was made to the script, but in the original Matt Mishnovich script, uh, Ossie Sobek is killed in cold blood by uh, by Captain Tarkin. Tarkin shoots him, uh, shoots an unarmed Ossie Sobek, who I, I if 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 information is to be believed, uh, was was sort of attempting to surrender, and Tarkin shoots him in cold blood, which causes the Jedi to and, and you know more more directly Ahsoka and Obi-Wan, I would imagine, th- that that Tarkin is a man without honor. And that makes a lot more sense tying it together with the, with the fortune cookie that we get. If I were to speculate why this was changed, uh, it is probably because, it is probably because that ending for Sobek with, with Tarkin killing him in cold blood would probably probably also cause Anakin to not have good feelings about Tarkin. Now, again, I'm speculating. I'm just I'm just talking here. My I, I go with that assumption. Even though they could have done something down the road to to change Anakin's perceptions of Tarkin. Um but I think one of the one of the basic tenets of these three episodes is sort of building that initial relationship between Tarkin and Anakin and and to have it go that route might have put a blemish on that that kind of burgeoning partnership that these two will eventually grow into so that is my speculation as to why it was changed i have no facts to support it whatsoever (laughs) that is just my opinion um um, as as someone who uh, studies a story and and things like that so take it for what you will uh we'll, we'll talk about it well you know think about it for yourself and hit me up let me know what you think if you agree disagree I'd love, I'd love to hear it, so you know where to find me. Please, please do. All right, so let's go ahead and dive into our episode. Uh, no, you know what? Hold on. Let's, let's do one thing first before, before we get to the other side of the, of the bumper. I want to talk about the, the planet that we're on, Lola Seyu, all right? This planet houses the Citadel, but it's a very interesting-looking planet, too. So I wanted to kind of get a chance to, to check some information on it, see what I can find out. And there's not a lot of information. You know, the planet has been mentioned a few times in, in some... Uh, other books, and I think even in a video game or two, but there's not a lot of of um, information. You know, it's a beautiful visual. This 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 planet that's kind of like broken in its southern hemisphere, uh, in the, the this pool of yellow that kind of spools out, and this the purple surfaces in the unbroken section of the planet. Uh, this is kind of this wonderful contrast between the two colors, and. I think I think it sort of ties in. We talked about last week with the with the uh, Laker droids, colored in purple and gold, and that's kind of like the the visual effect of the planet as well with this. Uh, but I wanted to find out if there was a, a, a given reason uh, why the planet's broken 
in that when that one particular section and there's not there's not any information really so I, I wanted to, I want to share with you uh, what it says this is a f directly from Wikipedia all right uh, and it describes a Lola say you as a decaying world in the northeast of the galaxy the brittle volcanic planet Lola Seyu was located in the outer rim territories the Belladrone se sector in the system of the same name along the western side of the parliament train route trade route excuse me as well as the Salian Corridor. A large portion of the planet's southern hemisphere was broken, which revealed the vast yellow sulfur sea beneath. The planet's northern hemisphere presented a purple hue when viewed from space, with long cracks that resembled vast rivers reaching up into it from where the crust disappeared to the south. Despite the planet's fragility, the northern hemisphere managed to cling to a thin yet breathable atmosphere, making it capable of supporting life. However, Water on Lola Seyu was scarce, and no indigenous life forms were known to exist on the planet. The planet's remaining terrain was extremely treacherous and, treacherous and unpredictable, primarily consisting of mountains, hills, caves, crevasses, or crevices, volcanoes, and lava flows. Much of the roads wound close to the edge of the lava flows and would often lead travelers to labyrinth-like cave systems or steep valleys. And those are exactly the things that we see during these three episodes of the Citadel, once they're making their escape from the actual structure, uh, and, and we see those crevices and caves and, and roads along the sulfur thing, we see that very, very well in this episode. So that's basically all the information we have. Uh, again, a, a planet that I find very visually interesting, but uh, there's not been much uh, mentioned uh, to detail more about the planet. Uh, it, it's, I believe its last mention was actually back in The Mandalorian, uh, in, in chapter 14 of that, the tragedy, which again, one of the one of the great episodes of the series, and uh, I, th I think I'm gonna have to go back and, and get a little bit more of a context. I think the, again, I think it's just mentioned, not without any sort of detail, uh, but again, for another show. So there we go. I wanted to catch us up on the planet. I wanted to talk about the script change and Tarkin, and, and give you my speculation. But let's go ahead now. Now it is time, and I'm not going back again. All right, it is time. Strap on your buckets. Let's go. Master Peel, it's good to see you alive, my friend. Likewise, Master Vindu. Our escape route has been compromised, and there are several squads of droids closing in on us. When can we expect your arrival? Master Plo is already en route. Gunships will arrive to evacuate you and your men. But do not delay. Only a small window of opportunity shall we have. Your rendezvous point will be this island. Understood. May the Force be with you. So as I told you all at the beginning of, the, of this, this is a pretty action-packed episode of the show, and it doesn't take long to get into that, you know? We played that clip there with, with the Jedi reaching out for, for information to the Jedi Council. When are they going to get rescued? Now, the rescue team needs rescuing. There's something funny in that. <laughs> but we find out that Bastard Plo is en route, and we'll check in with them in a little bit. Uh, but this is also when commando droids in pursuit catch up with our, with our team. And they have to engage them in battle, and they are able to dispatch the, the the commando droids, but you know it's very much a um, a situation that they can't maintain forever. You know they can they can keep running, keep running, keep running, but eventually, if if they can't figure out how to get off the planet, they are going to be captured again at some point. They'll they'll be in an area that's opened, and the droid forces will be able to close in on them. So I think they're trying to convey a real sense of of there's not a lot of time left for our heroes to make their escape from this planet. And they're desperately outnumbered, so a last stand isn't an option. They have to kind of go after the, after <clears throat> these, these small groups of, of droids 
piecemeal in, in, in a sense. You know, again, they have to avoid being overwhelmed. And uh, coming up, there is a moment where, well, like I said, some clones face a horror, in my opinion, a horrific way to die. Uh, but we will talk about that when we get there. Let's check in with our villain, Ossie Sobek, as he is uh, rather forced to communicate with Count Dooku. Uh, let's check it out. Again, there's some amusing things in this. And Dooku's really give, just kind of giving us reminders of the, of, you know, in, through the exposition here. He's reminding us about the Nexus roots and their, their importance to both the Republic and to the Separatists. So let's go ahead and check this out. Count Dooku, my lord. Commander Sobek, you've been avoiding my transmissions. My deepest respect. I was hoping to surprise you with good news. Good news would indeed be a surprise. Have the prisoners been captured? Not yet, my lord. We've located their position, and my droids are moving in now. I need not remind you that the prisoners are carrying secret hyperspace coordinates into the core systems of the Republic and our separatist homeworlds. This information will allow us to launch a surprise attack on Coruscant, striking a crippling blow to the Republic and the Jedi. Yes, my lord. I will see to it that they are soon back in our possession. You should know, Commander. Right now, your honesty is the only thing keeping you alive. All right, so... One of my favorite elements to Ossie Sobek in, in these, these three episodes is sort of the, the way he's constantly being foiled and pushed by the Jedi in, 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 in his effort to recapture them. And the constant beratement from Dooku when he's able to track him down. I, they give him this subtle eye twitch. Uh, in, 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 I think you notice it in all three episodes, honestly. But it really stands out in this one as, as uh, Ossie's being pushed. Uh, Harder than he probably has ever been pushed before, uh, to to recapture these these escapees as he views them, and uh, this this eye twitch as he's being berated by Count Dooku, uh, is it just comes to life and it's, it's, it, again, if I feel like it's fairly subtle, it's not like overt enough that it's um, a centerpiece for a conversation. It's just one of those small little touches that I really like about this show. The sort of uh, imparts a little bit of, uh, of life to these characters in, in a fun and unique way. And I I rather, again, I rather like the Ossie Sobek character. I think he's a good villain, a good foil. We know, we obviously know his end is, is, is nigh by the, by the, by the final moments of this, of this installment. Um, but, uh, I don't know. I've, the whole Christopher Walken thing, the whole kind of like giant alligator lizard man thing kind of just works for me. Uh, so it it was unfortunate to, to see to see Ozzy Sobek dispatched so quickly, but you know things happen. <laughs> things happen when you go up against the Jedi, and uh, one Anakin Skywalker in particular. Just my two cents on that. But yeah, again, just a, a subtle little thing, and I, I I don't know if that's in the script or if that was something that that uh, the director Stuart Lee wanted wanted to give to the character. I just think it's one of those small little touches that I just really really like. So now we get to the scene in which I'm talking about. We see our heroes, the team of Jedi and clone troopers and, and uh, Citadel escapees rushing along the edge of, of, of a mountainous region on the planet. And they come to where they need to be to get to that, get to, to get to that rendezvous point. And they have to do a, a, a vertical descent right to the next level 
of the of the planet, right? To to get to that rendezvous point. And this is when the droids attack. And and Ahsoka lets us know that, that the droids are going to try and box them in, use this 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 cliff's face that they're up against uh, to pin them. But the Jedi's plan is to go down, right? So you get your repelling cables and you you throw Tarkin on your back and you start walking down the sheer face of the cliff face. Sheer face of the cliff face. I don't know. The sh- <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say. They they walk for- vertically down the ramp with the the escapees on their back, the clone troopers, the Jedi in the in the front, uh, and and the commander droids see these these uh, repelling lines into in, sunk into the ground, and they shoot one out, and this is where a clone trooper and and the other clone escapee on his back plummet to their deaths. Brutal. That is not a way that I would want to go. Um, I am not much for the mountain or rock climbing uh, because I'm terrified of these sort of things. Uh, and that's always sort of what I've envisioned happening to me if I go do it. Not that a commander droid is going to shoot the, the line out. That it would just, I just wouldn't put it in correctly and it would just, it would just slide right out of the earth and I would perish <laughs> in a very horrific and painful manner. Or at least painful for the split second that I would feel it before I just become a pancake. Um, or even worse, I, I survive and I just, I'm just I'm laying there in absolute sheer pain for the rest of my final moments. Uh, Annie Hoot, <laughs> not to go on too much of a side tangent there, but uh, yeah, just again, I, I, I mention it because we we we, are, we have seen some horrific clone trooper deaths in this episode or in the in this three episode arc, and uh, that that one is maybe one of my least favorites. Just watching those guys fall face first into the planet's surface, that, that cannot feel good. Cannot feel good. Uh, we also see in this sequence that R2-D2 has to say goodbye to his battle droids. He, he orders them to attempt to delay and buy as much time as possible for the Jedi and the, uh, the clone troopers to escape. Uh, and the, 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 the B-1 battle droids do not do well. They are dispatched fairly quickly. But it's, it's sort of an amusing little, little note when... Uh, the, the the B one tells R two that it's been an honor to serve under him, and and uh, they're gonna they're gonna do their best, and then they just get just get so killed, so destroyed so so quickly. Really, I again there there's not a lot of levity in these these episodes, but the 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 R two stuff in the, in the with the B B one battle droids is about as close as we're gonna get to it, right? So why not enjoy it for these final moments? All right, let's see. I think our next sequence here is going to be talking Anakin, Ahsoka, about Tarkin. And, and uh, again, this is an interesting moment for these two as, as we're starting to see, again, Anakin's uh, kind of pushing back against the Jedi philosophies and, and sort of the way he views it as restraining them in the war effort. So let's check it out. Why did Master Peel have to share half the intel with that guy? It's like he's not even grateful we rescued him. Captain Tarkin feels the Jedi should be relieved from the burden of leading the war effort. That's ridiculous. Maybe. But we aren't soldiers. We're peacekeepers. The Jedi Code often prevents us from going far enough to achieve victory. A rather simple point of view. Either way, he is a good captain. So just prior to that that clip, there is an epic eye roll from Ahsoka Tano uh, that she sort of directs in in Tarkin's area <laughs> uh, because he's getting a little snippy and and, and uh, or, or snarky and uh, Master Evan Peel 
throws it right back in his face. And she, again, Ahsoka just unleashes the most epic Ahsoka eye roll you could possibly imagine. Uh, and again, that's it's it's an interesting conversation between the three Jedi, between Obi Wan, Anakin, and Ahsoka about their limitations of the Jedi code and how it's sort of restricting them in this war effort. But Anakin talks about that later on too, about how the Jedi are peacekeepers and and it you know maybe being the leaders of a war isn't isn't their primary responsibility. What's interesting about this is that we have to look at Ahsoka, right? We have to, this, I mean, this is, and this is not the first time we were bringing this up. This is this is a young, impressionable Padawan who's being brought up in the time of the Clone Wars. Uh, she is is learning something. She's learning the Jedi ways in in very with with very different uh, uh, circumstances surrounding her, and in her from her point of view, I I, I think she may be, be thinking of herself more as a warrior than a peacekeeper. But again, this is these are things that that. that for us to debate as we continue watching the show and we continue to watch Ahsoka's evolution. But it's it's always important to keep that in mind, that she was a Padawan at a very, uh, very, I don't know, uh, a very, <laughs> a very, uh, at a very, um, you know, an interesting moment, you know, just before the fall of the Jedi, the fall of the Republic. And, and you know, as, uh, we uh, we have asserted that, that Ahsoka may be the greatest of the Jedi's from this era to come out of this, but again, can you call her a Jedi when she's not one any longer? Uh, you know, she she breaks her affiliation with the Order, as we all know. Um, but through like the the, the battle testedness that she become that she gets to by the seventh season, you know, she has sort of transcended the Order in, in, in a sense. And again, we don't want to dive too far down that rabbit hole just yet. But these are sort of like those quiet moments where we have to remind ourselves of who. And, and what's happening, who Ahsoka is at this moment in her evolution, to where she'll be further down the road, and to look at the circumstances in which she's learning how to be a Jedi Knight. Like these are these are trying times at the at, at the very least to to try and train a, a very impressionable young Jedi, and and this impressionable young Jedi just happens to be the Padawan of Anakin Skywalker, a Jedi with uh, an interesting point of view on certain topics like the war. And, and why he thinks that Tarkin is right and why the, the Jedi Code doesn't do enough to allow them to win. So, so these are, this is all information she's taking in, and it's, and it's part of her growth overall. Uh, and again, we know where she lands, but there's still a huge chunk of Ahsoka's journey that we don't know, and that'll be fun to kind of see if they go, go into that at a certain point uh, down the road with, uh, with maybe that whole new Ahsoka show coming out soon. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Let's get back into another conversation happening on the planet's surface. Um, this one, well, it's uh, not quite as juicy as that last one, but uh, not too bad either. You know, it's not wise to argue with Master Peel. <laughs> it's certainly not a good career move. General Skywalker, I stand by my principles, no matter what. Besides, I needn't worry about my career. I've fallen into favor with the Chancellor. He shall support me. Oh? happen to know the Chancellor quite well myself. No, really? Really? Let's keep moving. If we're not at the rendezvous at the exact time, we'll miss our window. All right, so just prior, you know, again, there's a couple of scenes prior to this we haven't talked about too much, but Ossie Sobek talking to the blockade. He radios, he comes up to the blockade, lets them know, hey, hey expect Jedi forces. Someone's got to be coming to rescue these people, so be prepared. We see the Jedi on... Their uh, star cruisers 
preparing to come out of hyperspace and, and launch their attack. Uh, and we're given the impression that, you know, as, as everyone just said, there's a small window of rescue, uh, but the Jedi must be prepared to leave these people behind if, if they're not there and they're not ready. I think we all know that's not going to happen. But again, just kind of setting the, t- setting the moment, setting the scene, building the tension is probably the best way to describe those scenes as, as we're kind of building towards that third act. And at the same time, Ossie Sobek on the planet's surface has released the Anubis, uh, a, a, a tracking dog-like creature <laughs> that sort of remember, re- resembles um, the Egyptian god Anubis in, in, in its uh, facial structure. Uh, and these are these are animals that are going to track down and find the fugitives and pose problems for them in the next battle that is to come. The Jedi, the clone troopers, they can hear that the more droids, the Anubis, on their way, they're, they're, they make a plan. They're going to spring a bit of a trap, right? They're going to try and get in from behind and, and attack the droids and the Anubis at the same time. Uh, and they're able to spring this attack, and it, we get a good battle, a really good action sequence here. Uh, Anakin and Obi-Wan are a distraction. They... they cause the Anubis to leave the other group behind so that they can circle back and, and get to get them, uh, again, from behind, right? Kind of like try to box them in on their own, right? Uh, and it works out pretty darn well. And again, a fun action sequence. We see the Jedi doing some stuff. We get to see Anakin and Obi-Wan dispatching the Anubis with their lightsabers. Anakin, uh, Ahsoka, excuse me, gets engaged in a nice battle as well. Uh, and it's also at this point that uh, Jedi Master Evan Peel We'll get captured by the Anubis. We'll get caught. We'll get bitten. We'll get torn and thrown around and tossed about by the Anubis. And he will make the journey <laughs> into the light, but not before imparting some words and message and important information to Ahsoka Tano. So let's check that sequence out right now. I have to get help. No, don't leave. Listen to me carefully, child. The information. I need you to deliver it back to the council. I should find Anakin or Obi-Wan. They need to hear this. No. You must listen. But I wasn't assigned to the team. I lied just so I could be a part of the mission. Whether you were meant to be on this mission or not, you are now the most important part of it. Remember this. And see to it that the information I'm about to give you is revealed to no one but the Jedi Council. Alright, so there we go. Ahsoka confesses on Evan Peel's deathbed that she's not supposed to be there. But as we have learned many times over the course of our fandom as Star Wars fans, uh, uh, um, the Force often works in mysterious ways. And as Master Evan Peel tells us, she has now become the most important member of the team because she now has the other half of the information, the Nexus roots that, that the Separatists so desperately want. Uh, also important here is what Evan Peel is, is, is the, the sort of rules, right? Like only for the Jedi Council. And you have to suspect, based on what we've learned over like the last two episodes, based on how Captain Tarkin feels about the Jedi Knights, that he's not going to go along with that. So we're, again, we're getting a bit of foreshadowing of... of potential conflict between the Jedi and Tarkin by the end of this episode. But yeah, Ahsoka becomes, again, becomes the most important person on the team, and we see, we witness the death of a Jedi Master in, in this sequence. Uh, and it's a pretty, uh, I don't know if brutal is the right word I want to use, but 
the way that 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 Master Evan Peel is tossed around like a rag doll by the Anubis is uh is it's pretty brutal, and you know we've been seeing Master Evan Peel do some serious fighting. He has some a really cool technique about him, the way he does things, the the the, the flips, you know. His height is not an issue, so his fighting style is sort of reminiscent of Yoda's, a little less whirling dervish, but still very effective. And uh, yeah, it's just a, you know, it's, I don't know if it's a sad scene because we don't know the Jedi Master that well, but the impact that the death has on the others is of of significance. And then they give him a bit of a Jedi funeral, right? They they throw him down into like those sulfur rivers and let him burn up. And uh, he's not the only character that's fallen into some sulfur rivers, but it, this is more of a um, moment before the Jedi, right? Like funerary rites of the Jedi Knights uh, before a time when they know that they could just simply transcend into the light and join the Force that way. And, you know, I, I, I'd love to have that explored more fully because there have been hints in various uh, books and comics that, like, that back before, like, the, the sort of like the dying and transcending to the force is sort of a lost skill of the Jedi. Like it used to be something they could do easily early in the, in the history of the order, but it becomes one of those skills that they sort of lose, have lost over time. And it's, it's again, it's just sort of a, a interesting little nugget in, in Star Wars lore that so much of Star Wars lore needs to, I wish they would explore more, more fully, but you know, when you're dealing with, with an ancient order of, of, of mystics, um, you know, you, you gotta have some wiggle room, right? Cause you want to tell, you want to be able to tell your stories and maybe at a certain point you go and tell that story. But, you know, Disney has seemed reluctant to go back and tell too much of the history of the Jedi. You know, we, we got some Dawn of the Jedi books, one book in a comic book series from Dark Horse. Uh, and, and I guess it's all technically not canon anymore. There's always, a, there's a, every now and so, now and then there's sort of a veiled reference to like the moons of Bogdan and things like that. And, uh, you know, you just, you just wonder how much of that carries over. And again, we can talk about the lost continuity of the Jedi Order for for a thousand episodes too. But it's just you know just something to think about, keeping your mind. Anyways, let's get to the next big moment. So at this point in the episode, we're fully engaged in space battle as the Republic forces engage the Separatists in orbit, and the Republic launches their rescue teams to come and get the Jedi and the clone troopers and Captain Tarkin and you know the whole shebang. They're trying to get everybody. Meanwhile, on the planet's surface, Ossie Sobek and his forces have tracked down the Jedi and are engaging with them in, 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 in an attempt to recapture and reassert their control over the situation and gain control of the Nexus routes for themselves. What happens is that, well, a lot happens because it's a great action sequence, but Ossie Sobek, we see the moment that we talked about at the beginning of the episode where Tarkin has an unarmed Sobek lined up in his shots, but he misses. And then I misremembered how the climax of this battle came to be. And it's actually Ahsoka Tano who jumps to Tarkin's rescue and puts the lightsaber through Ossie Sobek, ending his uh, reign as the Commandant, as the Warden of the Citadel. But I want to go ahead and play that sequence because I do really like it, and and Tarkin's response to Ahsoka saving him is of uh, great interest to me, what he says to her. So let's check this out. It will die with you! Ah! 
My thanks, Padwam Tenno. Oh, I see you've trained her well. At this point, after Sobek's death, the droid forces are still coming in, right? They're still there. They're going to fulfill their mission. They're going to do what they're supposed to do. And for, for Tarkin and Skywalker, Kenobi, Tano, it's just lasts long enough to get rescued, right? Well, good thing the Republic gunships are making their way down to do that right now. Master Plo Koon arrives, grabs our heroes, time to go back to orbit, get back to the Jedi cruisers, and hyperspace the heck out of there, which they do. Um, but, you know, they, 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 they do a good job of, of during that sequence of making it seem like, oh, they could get shot down at any moment, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, they don't. They don't. We, we know they're going to make their escape. So let's go to the end of the episode. Let's hear those final moments where uh, we get to hear that, that tension, that moment that was foreshadowed earlier. You know, Ahsoka will deliver her portion of the, of the information of the Nexus routes to the Jedi Council. Tarkin has feelings. Of Master Peel's loss, we are sorry to hear. He will be missed. Because of his great sacrifice, we now have the Nexus route coordinates. Captain Tarkin and Ahsoka have each memorized half. Debrief them both. We must. With all due respect, Master Jedi, I was instructed by Chancellor Palpatine to bring the intel directly to him for debriefing. I promised Master Peel that I would deliver it only to the Council. And that's what I will do. Hmm. Personally meet with the Chancellor, I will. Decide what is best to do. We shall. Master Plo, there's something we want to ask you. Did you assign Ahsoka to the mission? It appears I did. All right, so there's our conflict. Uh, there's Master Plo sort of giving Ahsoka an, an, a, uh, I don't know, an alibi, <laughs> if you will, with her master, with Anakin Skywalker. But yeah, we, we see the line in the sand between Tarkin and the Republic military and the Chancellor's relationship and then the Jedi off here to the side. One of the things I was trying to figure out, and I don't remember, and I, I was going to look it up, but I sort of talked myself out of it because I, wa I want to see... Uh, if it's if it's something that we get back to later on, and and maybe you guys remember uh, better than I do, but I, I was sort of wondering if the Nexus routes are what the Separatists will ultimately use uh, to launch the attack against Coruscant. That that opens Episode Three, that opens Revenge of the Sith. You know when we when we see the planet under under siege from Separatist forces, uh, and I I couldn't remember if that's what's used or not because you know eventually Palpatine gets all this information anyways, right? But I was very curious to see. And my memory is vague on it if, it, if the Nexus routes are mentioned again or not. So I guess we're going to find out as we rewatch the series, you know. But if your memory knows, good on you. Good on you. And you can tell me, like, hey, yeah, Dodo Bird, they're setting this all up. And they deliver, you know, down the road later on, which is very, like, very, very likely. So now here's the final moments of the episode. We get into, like, that, that philosophical debate. We get to talk about our Jedi fortune cookie about honor. It still sort of works because of Obi-Wan's speech here that ties it together. Um, but yeah, it would have been interesting if we got to see Tarkin kill that kill Ossie Sobek in cold blood. But again, my spe my personal speculation, my personal theory, they changed it because Anakin couldn't be witness to that. I don't know. We'll, we'll see because it would have damaged their relationship. We'll see. We'll see. 
A job well done, General Skywalker. I wish more Jedi had your military sensibilities. Perhaps I can inform the Chancellor of your valor. I'm not sure what to think of your new ally. Well, I think we need people like him. This is a war. If we aren't willing to do what it takes to win, we risk losing everything we try to protect. Unfortunately, war tends to distort our point of view. If we sacrifice our code, even for victory, we may lose that which is most important, our honor. And as we all know, the Empire has no time for honor. <laughs> Anyways, that is it. That is the Citadel, Citadel Trilogy. Uh, eight, eight and a half buckets on this for sure. Uh, it's a really rock-solid trilogy. I love the beginning, the formation of the, 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 the partnership, the relationship between Anakin Skywalker and Will of Targon. And I, I, I sort of like seeing Ahsoka put in this position, right? Like in, in that first episode, she disobeys orders. She goes on a mission she shouldn't, but by the end, and but whether you, I don't, I'm, I'm curious if, if you disagree, um, or, or I guess how you feel about the process. Like, was it the will of the force that, that swayed her to, to disobey these orders? Or was it her own sort of uh, impulsiveness? And again, does is you know if the force is acting through her, then then it makes total sense because it all works out. And like like Master Peel says, she becomes the most important person in the mission ultimately. So her being there may have been the will of the force. Food for thought, right? You know, we don't really get any clear answers, and I mean that's the whole point of the force, right? We, we, you know, if it was a yes or no sort of scenario, uh, it wouldn't be as much fun. And and Star Wars is fun, gosh darn it. And that's why we like it, and that's why we want to watch more of it. I don't know what else to say about this episode. Again, I think I think I lean closer to like the eight and a half buckets on this one because uh, there are some really nice little moments, but it's also very, very action-packed. You know, like, you can talk about Tarkin and Anakin. You can talk about uh, Ahsoka's pivotal moments in this course of the series. And while I don't know if this is one of her most pivotal moments, I think it's an important one. It's an important one for her to have to examine her role as a Jedi, as a peacekeeper, or as a warrior. And 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 again, that all comes to light later on. We we continue to explore that that balance, that duality for her. Um, and yeah, it's just pfft, super super good. And give me more, give me more, give me more. And I like it, like it, like it, like it. All right, we're gonna get out of here. But let's go ahead. Remind you one more time. That we are on social media at Mando underscore Vision, Twitter and Instagram. Please support the show, like us, follow us, uh, subscribe to us, whatever it is on your on your app. Make sure you do it, and then share the show with all the other Mandalorians in your covert. We truly, truly appreciate that. If you have the time or the inclination, five star reviews are insanely helpful in our quest to defeat the uh, the tyranny of the algorithm. If you do that, that'd be super, super cool. And we want to thank the official. Mando Vision Maniacs, who signed up over at patreon.com forward slash MandoVision. You can join the Maniacs and gain access to sweet bonus content and possibly Death Star plans. Talk to the Bothans. Thank you to our current Patreons, the Aspen Hill Chody, the Batman Abejo, Jeff Nail. Jeff is a co-host of The Ring in the Air, a great music podcast I recommend highly. Thanks to Evil Circle, the evilest of all circles. There's probably Sith Lords in that circle, if I were to guess. The Squidmaster General, Mr. Brian Broussard, the New Jersey Devil, Mark Wegemer, our very own 
Joker and Harley Quinn, Brian and Krista, a pariah brewing company here in San Diego and coming in in days to Baltimore, Maryland. We're days away from in Baltimore, Maryland. Get thirsty, Baltimore. Get thirsty. Thanks to the Beer Hop Brigadier General, Jesus Beer Hops, the silent assassin, he who should not be named, and Syndicate Ram himself, the co-host of Come On, It's So Good, my favorite podcast that I've been a guest on a couple times. Love it, love it, love it. All right, that's going to be it for Star Wars The Clone Wars Rewatch Mondays. We'll be back on Wednesday with another breakdown on another exciting installment of The Book of Boba Fett. And if you're not liking The Book of Boba Fett, keep it to yourself. Don't care. Because <laughs> we're having fun no matter what. No matter what. All right? I mean, you can tell me if you don't like it. It's fine. I, you know, I just... Remember, we're all about the positivity here, man. We're all about being Star Wars fans and supporting Star Wars. And again, that doesn't mean we can't criticize. We can't be critical. If you're listening to my book of Boba Fett reviews, you know I'm happy to be critical. Doesn't mean I don't love me some Star Wars. Doesn't mean I still don't love me some Boba Fett. All right? And that's all I'm going to say about that until Wednesday. We'll be back very, very soon. Just remember, this podcast can only end one way. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. You expect me to search the galaxy for the home of this creature and deliver it to a race of enemy sorcerers? This is the way. <laughs>